There's only one verse for, for today's scripture, and it's, For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, from Romans 8, verse 28. We ask in Jesus' name that you would move in such a way as that I would decrease, you would increase. And we pray that the power of this verse, which is known to many Christians, would speak afresh to our hearts today. Only you can do this, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as most of you know, we're carrying on with our series on Romans, our passage-by-passage look uh, at this book of the Bible. All right, so this morning we're carrying on with our series on Romans. And we've come to perhaps one of the more iconic verses that carries such truth and power that it is rightfully placed in people's houses, on walls, and so forth. And so because of that, we're just going to look at just this verse today. But before we look at what this verse means, let's look at what this verse doesn't mean. One, it doesn't mean that all things are good in of themselves. Abuse and wars are not good. Lots of suffering happens to us in our life. That is not good. It's awful. You know, sometimes people can, uh, to, depending on how people hear things, people can sometimes say, all these things work for good. And sometimes a person can think that they're sort of hinting that the thing itself is good. Well, no. All things are not good in of themselves. Uh, it, they can be awful, painful, and unjust. Uh, Jesus himself was crucified, he was beaten and portrayed. This wasn't in of itself good. It brought about the greatest good, planned by God, for, by God for his purposes, which was the forgiveness of sin, the defeat of darkness and so forth. But his betrayal and unjust execution was not good in of itself. All right, two. Uh, it doesn't mean that all things work for good for those for whom reject God and so have not been called according to his purposes. So using an extreme example of uh, um, Stalin, uh, the despotic evil leader of the Soviet Union, who killed and tortured millions. The suffering he went through in his life, and he did go through suffering. He had two decades in exile uh, where he was in and out of jail, and it was quite a rough life for him. The suffering that he went through... Uh, didn't necessarily, uh, well, because this verse doesn't apply to him, it did not necessarily for his ultimate good. In fact, all the killing and all the terrible things he's done was for his ultimate harm. He was storing up wrath for himself on the day of judgment. So if someone that rejects God, doesn't love him, never will love him, this verse doesn't apply to them. You know, suffering and its purpose may bring out much good in this life for those who aren't necessarily Christians, Nelson Mandela or others you could think of. Uh, it can have a redemptive hope potentially, but this particular verse doesn't apply. Three, it doesn't mean that for the believer that the good that they will receive will necessarily be wealth, long life and success. You know, people can sometimes think, oh, the good that's going to come, well, I'm going through suffering now, but my business is going to be amazing on the other side. I'm going to receive lots of wealth. Or I'm going through suffering now, but you know, I've been uh, totally rejected by my family, but one day I'll be vindicated for my stands on issues here on this earth. Well, not necessarily. Uh, we, there's not, it's not a promise necessary that you'll receive earthly justification or vindication. Though I hasten to add, when I'm going through suffering, I do pray for those things. Because uh, why not? You know, when you go to, Lord, Lord, vindicate me here. Uh, but that's not necessarily what this verse is promising. It may come about, 
but it's not necessarily guaranteed. And we'll have a look at that a little later of why I say that. Uh, and uh, so if this text, and we know that in all things work for good, for all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If it doesn't mean that things are good in themselves, if it doesn't mean this promise applies to everyone regardless of their faith, and if it doesn't mean that the good that those who love God and are called according to his purposes, that that good is wealth, long life, and earthly success, then what does this verse mean? What is this passage? What are the promises we can hold on to? And that's what we're going to look at right now. So this text comes as part of a, a, a larger idea that Paul is trying to get across. It's the context of suffering and the hope we can have in the midst of it. And it's what the Holy Spirit is doing in the midst of our lives and in the world as we go through suffering. So a little earlier, as you know, we've looked at this, we're working our way through Romans. Paul says, I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. We're experiencing suffering, but this suffering isn't going to be even comparable to the amazing glory that will be revealed in us. And just before this key verse here, we see uh, he says, and this is uh, just before this verse, he says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So this previous text. It's working its way up to we know, as Paul is saying a whole bunch of, well, we don't know about a whole heap of things here on this earth. We don't know some of the perplexing situations and why they happen to us. We don't even know when they're happening, why, what we're supposed to pray for. We don't pray as we ought. All sorts of difficulties. And those wordless groans, as we looked at last week, they're the groans of anguish that sometimes can be produced in the heart of the believer who's at the end of himself. We groan, God prays, is what I looked at last week. When we're suffering, the Lord intercedes for us. He prays in the midst of our suffering and difficulties that we go through. So there's lots of things that we don't know about in life. But in the midst of some things we can't know, in the midst of our weakness, where we don't even know what to pray for, we can know this, says Paul, that in the midst of difficulties of life, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So if we love God, if we're called according to his purpose, then we can know for sure that no matter what happens to us, hear that again, no matter what happens to us, all things suffering and death, it will be worked out for our good. That the suffering that perhaps you are going through is not meaningless, it is not hopeless, and it is not without result. God who knew every tear we would cry, every groan of anguish, every despairing thought, and he would, as we looked at last week, pray through our groanings. We groan, God intercedes for us. That's last week. And this week, he will turn our pain into glory and he will bring good out of it. Okay then, well then what is that good? Well that good comes in the next verse. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. That in the difficult situations in your marriage, perhaps, or singleness, or widowhood, 
difficult situations with your workplace or perhaps your health or difficult situations with, with relationships with, that are around you that are just broken, that whatever this, the suffering is, whatever that difficult situation is, if you fully love God, if Jesus is your greatest treasure, then he promises that through this situation, whether it's good times or bad times, or even the worst time in your life, he will work in our life to produce God's character. Do you see that? And he chose them to become like his son. He conforms us to our image in all things. He will produce a good. And what is that good? The next verse tells us. We are looking at that verse in depth next week, but I'm just uh, giving a hint because they're all connected together here. And that he actually will work in us to produce Christ's likeness, God's character. I, I, this has been tough, but I have to say, I would have preferred a world when, when I get lots of nice things given to me, it would work on my character. So the more money I receive, I become more holier. You know, the more happiness I receive and happy relationships, it just builds my character up. I have tended to find out, though, it is the opposite that is true. It is the difficult times in life that produces character. Hands up whom this is the case. Tough times, right? Right, this is the case. Often it is those difficult situations and I have to say, with the amount of suffering, I've evidently got a lot of character flaws that need to be worked on. And so this is things. And so you submit yourself to it. Right? So here's the thing. There are two wonderful hopes. Two, absolutely, this is not just me plucking it out of the air. These are scriptural promises from God Almighty for you this morning. That no matter what happens, if you love him and you're called according to his purpose, then he will produce in your life no matter what happens. No matter how dark the valley is, he will produce his character in you and he will prepare you for future glory. And those are wonderful, wonderful hopes. Right? As God's word says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Right? So God's Spirit comes in you through salvation, and over a lifetime, you reflect His love, His character, His joy, and His peace. And so, I, I, forgive me for giving an analogy from my, my own personal story, but as you know, most of you know, there's always one or two new ones listening in at the first or second service. The second service has seen a number of new people come, and there are always uh, new people listening online. I had a person text saying they had three or four people listening to me around in a home. Uh, and, and, and so there's always new people. Any new people, welcome. So in my, in my life, you know that Catherine's got terminal cancer diagnosis. And uh, it's, it's a difficult, perhaps, potentially, I think, looking back, my, the worst time of my life right now. And so I, I also happen to have a very minor uh, all things go wrong. My, I have my filling. A filling fell out of my teeth. I really dislike that. As soon as the filling goes out, I go, no, that's $1,000 or whatever. You know, you had that sort of that moment. So I pop into the dentist, which is not four peaks, and you just walk into the office and then down the hallway, as you know, here in Geraldine. And there was this young little lady there, and there was, uh, there was an older one. And she just and she just face lit up. And I, I knew her name, first name, but not much more. She's not connected to the Christian faith. And she just burst into song, and she said a, a positive statement. And I was like taken aback, and the old lady was looking. And she said, everyone has seen the joy that Catherine and you are having in the midst of your situation. And that, that struck me. I don't know what to do with it. I was turning up to book in my appointment for a filling to be removed. You know, get an earlier, right? You could wait for a month. And that was the statement. But that was touching. And I said, to, I went home to Catherine. I said, Catherine, guess what? Guess what? I went in. And I said, this is your mission field. People are no noticing. In all things, 
God is working for good, producing Christ-likeness. Catherine's got more joy and peace. God's been working on her. And she's had terrible pain at times. Uh, and and uh, last night, I, I didn't get much sleep. She was up and down all night. And I thought, well, this morning, this is great. The perfect uh, night for the verse on all things work for good, including a sleepless night and suffering and pain, because God is at work. Isn't that good? It's a perfect day to preach in. If I was preaching in the midst of a high mountaintop, it'd be a bit fake. But when you're going through a valley, this is when the metal of this verse is proven. All right, so it's wonderful, wonderful. Just as in the purpose of Christ's sufferings, there's purposes in mine or yours. If we love God, that purpose will be for our ultimate good. If you're a true believer, this is something your heart will jump for that you are being made Christ-like. You know, before I became a Christian, the whole idea of becoming like Jesus, right? That, that's how it would have been. I don't want to be like Jesus. I want to be like the world and doing stuff like that. But after I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, He is the one I love. He's the one I desire to be like. And the, all things are producing that and preparing me for future glory. So as you go through these all things, there is perhaps you've had a parent an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, husband or wife, child, ruin your life. Well, God will use that for good if you love the Lord. Perhaps you've ruined your own life. You've wasted it. You look back on remorse and regrets. You can't go back. What can you do? Well, God will use it for good if you love the Lord and accord according to his purposes. He can use, as part of those all things, the worst mistakes that you have made. Isn't that wonderful? He can use those mistakes and produce good things out of it. Perhaps you have a disability. Perhaps, and this is in the first service, you feel that your health is declining and that the life options that you once had, you're able to do all these things before, but the closing in. Catherine said, she says, some days I feel like a frail old woman, is what she said, just with the life choices and power. She said, so unfair being 46 and feeling like this is closing in around. But in the midst of those disabilities and weaknesses, the Lord is using that to produce good in you. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast more gladly about my weaknesses because God is using it for his good. Right? This is hope for me. Hope for me in the midst of poor decisions that I've made, right? some sinful errors, my limitations, things people have done to me, all my weaknesses of my body. These can go around in my head and I can get in despair. Who's just spiraled at times just when you get into a, into a head space and just spiraled? Anyone done that? Well, meditate on this verse. All things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Nothing in my life surprises the Lord. And before all time, he has promised to use it for my good and my future glory. And the good here is faith in Christ and our future hope is to be with him and in heaven. And so let me finish. As I come up to finish, let me share potentially of a person you've never heard of and a book you've never read. Though perhaps there might be one person, because it is free online, you might read it after this. So Thomas Watson, he was a Puritan. Now the Puritans got some things wrong. Their war on Christmas was potentially one of their, one of their worst mistakes they made in the 1600s. Getting rid of Christmas joy. They were like the Grinch of Christmas. I was reading some of the Puritans like, what were you doing that for? I was thinking it was popery and things like that. It's not popery, it's just nice having Christmas. Anyway, so they did, did some things that I wouldn't have done. But at the time of Cromwell, there was the parliament and there was the king and there was all this tension going on. 
And the Puritans tended to side against the king with the parliament. And they loved it when Cromwell got to power. But Thomas Watson, he was one of the minority who sided with the UK king against Oliver Cromwell. He said, no, you don't kill the king. You're supposed to pray for him and honor him. That's what my Bible says. We're not supposed to have a civil war. I don't care if he's a bad king. We're to pray for him and honor him. And, and maybe you'll come a Christian. You know, there was that sort of vibe with him. And so he came in and gave a sermon. There was two sermons in Parliament. He was offered to give one. So he gave one and said, no, you're doing it all wrong. Honor the king. Pray for him. Pray for his salvation. He gave a whole sermon. There was another one who gave a sermon on, you're doing all the right thing, Parliament. You're awesome and God's on your side. And so they put him in jail and the, and the other guy was like, yeah. And so he, was, he lost everything because he was, uh, wasn't siding with the Puritans on this political issue. And despite his support of the king, because he said, well, even if you now you killed the king, then the next in line, King Charles II, is in line, he should be the king. And so he was in jail. Eventually he was released and he preached for a bit. And when King Charles II came to power, the first thing he did was get rid of the Puritans. And, and, and he got rid of also uh, 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 Thomas Watson. He was only allowed to have five people who weren't his family in his family home. He wasn't allowed to be within 10 miles of his former church. All these things, his whole ministry and life was crushed. He was crushed before by his Puritan friends. And then after he was crushed by the king, his entire life was just a lot of suffering. And about this time of poverty, many of his children died. And during that time, he produced a book, All Things for Good. That was the book he produced in the midst of it. And uh, uh, he, this is, uh, I'm just going to read to you, and this is from one chapter of his book, The Worst Things. I'm going to read to you a few lines. This is from a man you've perhaps never heard of from a book you've never read. He's been dead for 400 years. But I'm going to read you the first four or five paragraphs of this book. And remember, this is a person who really had gone through the ringer. This is what he says. The worst things work for the good to the godly. Forgive the 1600th century English here. Do not mistake me. I do not say of that of their own nature. The worst things are good, for they are the fruit of the curse. But though they are naturally evil, yet the wise overruling hand of God disposing and sanctifying them, they are morally good. Or as the elements through the contrary qualities, yet God has so tempered them that they all work in harmonious manner for the good of the universe. Or as in a watch, the wheels seem to move contrary to one another, but all carry on the motions of the watch. So things that seem to move to cross and vex the godly, yet by the wonderful providence of God, work for their good. Among these worst things, there are four sad evils which work for the good of those who love God. The evil of affliction, one, works for the good to the godly. It is one heart-quieting consideration in all of the afflictions which befall us that God has a special hand in them. The Almighty has afflicted me, Ruth 1, 21. Instruments can no more stir until God gives them a commission than an axe can cut by itself without a human hand to move it. All right, Job eyed God in his affliction. Therefore, as Augustine observes, he did not say, the Lord has given me, but that mean old devil has taken away. But he says, the Lord has taken away. Whoever brings us an affliction to us, it is God who ultimately sends it. Another heart-quieting consideration is that afflictions work for our ultimate good. I have sent them into captivity for their own good. Jeremiah 24, 6. Judah's captivity in Babylon was for their good. It is for the good of me that I have been afflicted. Psalm 119, 71. This text, like Moses' tree cast into bitter waters of affliction, may make them sweet and wholesome to drink. 
Afflictions to the godly are medicinal. Out of the most poisonous drugs, God extracts our salvation. Afflictions are as needful as ordinance. 1 Peter 1.6 No vessel can be made of gold without fire. So it is impossible that we should be made vessels of honor unless we are melted and refined in the furnace of affliction. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Psalm 35.10 So as the painter intermixes bright colors with those dark shadows, So the wise God mixes mercy and judgment. Those afflictive providences, which seem so awfully harmful, are ultimately beneficial. All right? So as he had this year meditating on that verse in Romans in light of his suffering and produced that book. And he has actually this quote here, which I think is tremendous. And uh, he says, uh, noting all Christians of the era, that often Christians would read the Bible, would turn up to church, and they would uh, hear the Bible, and they'd go away cold just cold and indifferent to the Word of God. And he says, the reason people, Christians, can end up so cold and indifferent, the reason we come away so cold from reading the Word is because we do not warm ourselves at the fires of meditation. So during that suffering, he meditated on Romans 8, 28, and the rest of the Bible interconnected with that for a whole year. His heart was warmed that the Lord was bringing ultimate good. And during it, he produced books that outlasted him that have actually transformed millions of lives and have brought me hope in the midst of my journey right now. So all things, and we know that, all, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Do you know this promise? Does this promise apply to you because you love him and have been called according to his purpose? Have you seen the fruit of it in your life? It's available today if you grab it. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the wonderful promise that is enabled for us. And Lord, we ask that in the midst of the suffering and difficulties that all of us go through, we humbly ask that you would produce good in it, good out of our lives, that we would see us becoming more like you, and that we would be prepared for future glory. In Jesus' name, amen.